welcome to Peterson's Bowhunting Radio, the official podcast of hardcore bowhunters. From the latest archery equipment and expert shooting advice to proven bowhunting tactics and the sport's biggest personalities, we've got you covered. Now, here's your host, Editor Christian Bird. All right, welcome to Peterson's Bowhunting Radio. We are the voice of bowhunting. And as always, we're thrilled that you've taken some time to be with us today to talk whitetails and the upcoming archery seasons and some forecasting for when is going to be the very best times for you to hunt this fall, which I know pretty much all of you are going to be super interested in. And I'm excited about today's show because I've got a guest with us today who has killed probably more really big whitetails than just about any other bow hunter in North America today. And that is my friend and the owner of the Moon Guide, Mr. Adam Hayes uh, from the Buckeye State of Ohio. Adam, thank you for being with us today on Peterson's Bowhunting Radio. Well, thanks for inviting me, Christian. Glad to be here. Well, you know, as I said, you've killed a lot of big whitetails. I mean, you know, the funny thing is, um, you know, Adam's killed, I don't know how many, you know, trophy bucks in, in your lifetime, but I know you've killed 10 uh, booners. And I know that you've killed not one, not two, not three, four 200 inch whitetails, which is absolutely insane, dude, because most of us are never going to see a 200 inch deer in our lifetime. And you've tagged four of them. So I stand in awe of you, my friend. <laughs> uh, I appreciate that. It's, uh, it's been a <clears throat> it's been a, a, a long time in the woods. Uh, you know, I started shooting a bow when I was four, and you know, my dad bow hunted, and I think I was fourteen during my first bow season. So I think this was my thirty ninth year bow hunting. So I've been at it a long time, and through trial and error, of uh, I think I've figured a few things out along the way, and yeah been um been a lot of fun and had some success and just trying to share that with uh other guys that are interested yeah and you know one of the cool things is that um you're pretty low-key for a guy that's killed that many big deer we're partnering up with you this year for the first time on our uh 2019 deer forecast here at peterson's bowhunting and you've written an article that i've just finished editing we're putting it together and layout now and uh, our october issue will be out in september and you share a lot of really good insights in there about the method that you use to capitalize on these big bucks and your life really changed uh, for the better, your bow hunting life anyway, when you discovered how to use the moon position to your advantage. And, you know, you cover a lot of that in the article, but uh, for the folks who are listening today, why don't you kind of walk us through your experience with that? Because I know that as a younger bow hunter, uh, you struggled just like everybody else. And um, this was something that really transformed your whole approach to big mature whitetails so yeah, tell us about that yeah i did uh i did struggle for a long time you know i used to read everything i could get my hands on trying to figure out um how to kill big deer and how to kill them consistently and it wasn't something that uh you know it wasn't something that started off easy I mean, a lot of ate a lot of tags 
And um, like I said, through trial and error, have kind of developed a system over the years that really worked for me and changed my luck on, on killing big deer consistently. And it really all started with with uh, Jeff Murray and, and the Moon Guide. You know, it's been over 20 years now that I met Jeff and talked to him about his theories on the moon and how it influenced all animals, really. <clears throat> started following his Moon Guide on a yearly basis and read his book, Moonstruck, which was probably the best the best read for a guy that really wanted not only to understand the moon and how it affects animals, but just targeting specific animals and how to kill them. He interviewed Miles Keller for that book back in the day. And Miles talked about his strategies on hunting from the outside in and, and incorporated a lot of his stuff and Jeff's stuff into my tactics and have um, changed a few things over the years. And it's uh, it's really culminated into a deadly strategy. I mean, I, I don't know how, how else to say it. it. It's really about being patient and persistent, but, you know, you've got to get out and find those big deer because you obviously can't kill them unless they're there. And once you find them, you've got to scout and figure out what those animals are doing. And, you know, the moon guide, whether you're talking about the moon guide or any other hunting tool, I mean, nothing is a hundred percent. Nothing's definite. It's like the only thing definite about killing big deer is nothing's ever definite. You know, everything changes constantly. It seems like even day to day during hunting season, but, um, yeah, incorporating the moon guide into it and a few other things, um, which I'm sure we'll talk about today, but yeah, I, I, I think that in a normal circumstance, when you're after a specific animal, if you pay close attention to the moon and how that animal uses the wind and giving him the wind to his advantage and then being patient enough to wait until everything lines up, not over hunting your spot and burning it out, I think a where a lot of guys make a mistake you know it's hunting season i gotta be hunting but i I just i don't go through all the work that i do year-round to go into a spot before everything's lined up and burn it out i mean you got to be patient and wait for the stars to line up and heck nine times out of ten when i go into a spot where i know i'd be need to be to kill a big deer i'd normally kill them the first first time i go in because i haven't burnt my spot out and everything's lined up and it's like a perfect storm go in there and get it done yeah, that's something that uh, I think only really comes with experience. It's something that I learned in my own bow hunting, uh, you know, and I've killed some big deer, but I haven't had uh, certainly the the number of, of successes that you have. But learning that you can actually be more productive by hunting less is, uh, is a hard one, like you say, because people do enjoy being out in the woods. So you just have to kind of figure out how you can still do that. Uh, maybe hunting some of your fringe areas, maybe targeting some some areas that you know are productive for does that don't have probably as many bucks in that core area. So there's definitely ways to still spend as much time in the field as you want to and keep those primetime stands uh, pristine for primetime, if you will. But let's take a, a step back quick because we'll get into some more of that. But yeah, you mentioned a couple things. Obviously, when we're talking about big bucks and, and 200-inch deer are sort of uh, you know at that legendary level, there's really two secrets, I think, that you've employed. Maybe there's more, but, but two that I want to start with, right? And first one you mentioned is you can't kill a 200-inch deer if there is no 200-inch deer in your area. Um, that goes without saying. And, and for guys like me who, who 
live, you know, in a, a state like Pennsylvania, where I'm at, or a lot of other states on the East Coast, where there's a lot of people, um, you know, I always tell people, you know, you have to be realistic in your expectations. So you do your scouting, you run your cameras, you get your stands ready, and hey, you know what, if there's a 130 inch buck in your area, and that's the biggest buck in your whole area, you better set your sights on maybe shooting a 120 or a 110 inch buck or whatever it is, you know, because if you if you say I'm going to shoot a, one, a 160 this year, and there are no 160s, you're going to be frustrated. So, you know, you got to find them and then and then like you said then you then you put that moon guide into practice and you look at when those prime conditions on the moon guide line up and, and you you sort of interpret that in relation to you know the stage of the season that we're at and what the deer are doing anyway at those times and when when all those things line up for a maximum opportunity that's when you like to go in there and get it done so uh, why don't you start out by explaining exactly uh, what the moon guide is all about and how you are using not moon phase you know which would be you know full moon new moon half moon etc that's not what you're talking about here you're really talking about moon position and where it is in the sky and how that influences deer activity and then how you correlate that with your hunting adam sure um yeah like you were saying it's you know the uh, a big deer has got to be there for you to kill him obviously but you know i'm not talking about just 200 inch deer i'm talking about the most mature deer in your area because most of the time, the majority of your deer herd is going to be moving at dawn and dusk, regardless of the moon, regardless of the weather. You know, your does, your younger, immature bucks, those deer are going to be doing the same thing pretty much every day. We're talking about the most mature animal in your area, and that doesn't doesn't matter if it's a 200-inch deer or it's a, you know, it's a 140-inch eight-year-old buck on the, you know, in North Carolina. You know, we're focusing on the most mature animal. The animals that, that have learned through surviving four, five, six, seven hunting seasons that it's not safe to move during daylight. You know, those animals live and die by their nose. They've figured out the game. They know it's, you know, when that velvet comes off in the fall that the, the game changes and, and they've got to change accordingly. Otherwise, they die. I mean, that's just black and white of it. So focusing on the most mature animal in your area and the reason the moon guide works is because it like you said it doesn't pertain to the phase of the moon it's about the position of the moon in the sky and the easiest way to explain it is every day as the moon rotates around the earth there's two specific times each day where it's actually closer to the earth and has more gravitational pull than any other time of the day. I mean, that's what triggers the tides to come in and out. You know, it moves the oceans. It has so much influence on the earth, that gravitational pull. And those two times when that gravitational pull is affecting everything on this planet, that is when animals and fish feed and get up and are active more so than any other time of the day. The key to the moon guide is there's only a handful of days every month when those times actually occur at prime time when deer want to feed anyway in the morning and the evening. 
you know, it happens every day, twice a day. Sometimes it's the middle of the day, middle of the night, but it's the days when it happens at prime time, you know, right around sunrise and right around sunset. If you think about it, a big mature buck during hunting season normally is not going to move unless he's got the wind in his favor. So he feels safe enough to get up and move before dark. Otherwise, he's probably just going to lay there in his bed and, and wait until after dark to get up and move. But if he's laying there in his bed, it's getting to be evening, sunset, he's got a wind in his face so he can get up and feel safe enough to move to towards his preferred food source. And then all of a sudden, you combine a natural, instinctive push from that gravitational pull that's pulling him to get up and feed when he normally wants to feed anyway. It's, it's just, like I said, it's like a perfect storm where he's got two factors that are actually pushing him to get up and feed that don't normally happen every day. And those are the days that I concentrate on. And that's what I consider the uh, red moon days. And those are the days that we highlight on the moon guide. Right. And you, you guys call that the red moon. Uh, it's not that the moon is actually red, right? It's just a right. term that you guys use for those days when the, the, the two periods of maximum gravitational influence are coinciding with dawn and dusk or relatively close to it. And, you know, the other thing that I think you, you've kind of said, but I want to make crystal clear, is... You know, you're not claiming that that these red moon days are just, you know, some unbelievable, uh, you know, dramatic thing where, you know, every other day of the month, you're not going to see these deer move. But boy, you go out on one of these red moon days and man, they're going to be bouncing off the walls and running all over creation. You're talking about. You know, which which when you're hunting big bucks is always the case. You know, you're talking about subtle differences, but how subtle differences when you're deer hunting, right, can be huge. Small things are big, especially when you're trying to kill a, a, a big, mature whitetail buck. So, in other words, you know, if if just five or 10 or 15 minutes, maybe a half an hour, whatever, just getting a deer to move a little bit sooner than he may normally, that's all the difference in the world of getting an opportunity at that deer. And so, you know, that's why being patient plays into the strategy as well, because there's no sense in maybe going and hunting that stand, you know, a week or two ahead of time when you know that red moon is going to be lining up. Uh, save that to that time, because those few extra minutes could be critical. Right, Adam? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm glad you brought that up because there was something I wanted to say a little earlier. Um, and we got off the subject, but yeah, even though it might not be a good day as far as the moon goes, and it might not be a red moon evening, doesn't mean I'm not hunting, you know, through my scouting, I find specific deer and specific locations where I think I need to be to kill that animal. You know, if you want to call it your a spot or your kill spot, whatever, but I've got my spots picked where I know I've got my best chance of killing that deer. So I'm going to wait to hunt those spots during that red moon. But if it's not a red moon, does not mean I'm sitting at home. You know, I might be on another farm scouting. I might be on that same farm in an observation stand three or 400 yards away trying to get a look at an animal. You know, I'm, I'm not sitting at home if it's not a good moon, moon night. 
I don't want anybody to get that idea that there's no sense in hunting. You know, stuff, like I said, changes every day during season. And, um, yeah, I spend as much time in the woods as I possibly can, but I will wait until those red moons hit before I'll dive into a kill spot. But I'm still out there on days that aren't, uh, aren't maybe, you know, the best evenings as far as the moon goes. And yeah, it's, it's not something that, um, not something any more than what you said. It's just a subtle influence. But, you know, when you're trying to kill a, a deer, that's a survival expert, you know, he survived six or seven bow seasons. You got to stack the deck in your favor. You cannot go into those spots, especially early season, more than once or twice before that animals know that you're there. So, I mean, you've really got to line everything up and, and stack everything in your favor. And, you know, the wind and the moon are probably the two most crucial parts of that. Yeah, and there's one more there's one more piece of perspective that I want to offer, and then um, I want to g- give you a chance to provide a couple anecdotes about the success that you've had with this um, moon guide system. But the other thing I wanted to say is, you know, moon is also just one factor, and that's something that you talk about and, and even include that on the moon guide itself, is that obviously... You know, even on a red moon day, if it's 110 degrees in the middle of November or, you know, 80 degrees maybe is more realistic, but we do get those days. Um, You know, if you get a really crazy snowstorm moving in, if you have 35 mile an hour winds, there are other factors that are going to influence deer movement, obviously. And so not every red moon day is going to be, you know, incredible. Right. You know. Yep. Yeah. Um, yep. I agree a hundred percent. You know, there's, there are more factors than, you know, the wind and the moon and probably the biggest one is weather, you know, weather can suppress or, you know, increase activity and make a day that much better or that much worse as far as activity goes. So like I said, the moon guide is not a hundred percent. There's a lot of factors you got to take into consideration and I'll be the first one to admit that the weather can definitely trump the moon, but you know, it can also increase activity on days where the weather's good, where you got high pressure system moving in. I pay a lot of attention to barometric pressure. Um, you know, it's, um, it's really about, like I said before, stacking the deck in your favor with as many things as you can. So Adam, let's share a couple, uh, anecdotes, uh, about, times that you've been successful on big deer uh, using the moon guide and and it's actually been uncanny at how uh, close to the exact times that the moon guide forecast as the peak uh, of activity that you've killed these deer within literally a minute two minutes three minutes of these times i think the first one that i wanted to discuss was your first 200 inch deer if i remember correctly that was back in uh, 99 am i right on that yeah and was that also the same year that you actually first uh, discovered the the moon predictions that Jeff Murray developed? Yeah, because it was that was really the first year I really paid close attention to it because I I knew I was after you know the biggest buck I'd ever seen in my life, and I remember talking to Jeff about it over the phone numerous times. Um, I'd been after the deer a few years, and I saw him involved with that summer and got a little bit of video of him and um you know i i figured it was you know 200 inch plus deer 
and I didn't want to make any mistakes. I knew I was going to, you know, maybe get one crack at the animal. So I wanted to do everything right. And, you know, Jeff was the one that suggested staying out of that area as much as I wanted to go in there. You know, I got the biggest buck of my life and somebody's telling me don't hunt them, you know, and that brings up another great point. That's probably if I could, you know, give a person one piece of advice is, is just don't overhunt your deer. You know, I think more guys make the mistake of going in before everything's perfect and end up blowing their chances at an animal. I think that that's the toughest part of hunting a big deer is actually not hunting him until everything's right. So yeah, I had a hard time swallowing that when Jeff was telling me not to hunt. Everything in my body's telling me it's deer season. I got to get out there, got to be out there to kill them. Right. But, um, yeah, I waited till the end of the month um, for the moon to come around, and uh, this first was the end, I went in there. The end of October, you're talking? Yeah, gotcha. Yep. First first night I went in there, just one of those perfect um, October evenings. Cool, really cooled off, and as soon as the um, sun set, I cracked the horns together, and I I knew if he was in the bedding area where I, I thought he was bedding. Um, early season that year, right next to the bean field that I was within earshot of him, you know, right on his trail, basically right on top of one of his big scrapes and cracked the horns together. And I heard something come running and little buck comes trotting down the trail and stops in the scrape. And I heard something else and looked up and I just, man, I will never forget that sight. Seeing that deer coming down that trail comes in at, you know, 10 yards and stops in that scrape and I shot him and um you know it was a 200 gross 201 biggest buck I'd ever seen in my life and yeah it was um that was really the light bulb moment for me when it came to staying out of a spot until everything was perfect you know waiting for the perfect wind and the perfect moon and so what was I've done for the last what what was the peak activity time uh, on that evening and how did that kind of tie in with when you actually killed that deer uh i know that it was early evening um i wish i've kept would have kept all my moon guides over the last 20 years so i could go back and look at them and give you the exact time so i i can't really can't really tell you what it was but i know it was um peaking that evening that was why i stayed out of there until that evening um yeah, it worked out, and it's worked numerous times since then. Yeah, absolutely. I know that uh, your most recent 200-inch buck was back in 2016 uh, in Kansas, and um, that one, because I know that you, you you shared that anecdote in the article that you put together for us. I think you said you killed, you ended up killing that buck like three minutes off of the peak time uh in the moon guide so why don't you tell us about this 200 uh from 2016 and that that's actually an interesting story too because you know i hadn't mentioned this yet but for those of you who are listening if you're not familiar with adam adam lives in ohio so he's an ohio bow hunter and uh obviously you hunt uh different places uh you know throughout the fall as you travel around but uh this was a buck that you didn't even know about and uh, ended up popping up on your uh, wireless trail camera right 
Yeah, you know, I I didn't have any history with that deer. I was really familiar with the area, and I run, you know, I run some wireless cameras out of state. I normally hunt Kansas and Illinois every year. Been hunting Kansas for a long time, and you know, this was a farm that I just got permission on um, across the street from a couple of places, a couple of farms that I, you know, had hunted over the years. So familiar with the area, but not the specific farm, other than just where, you know stuck a camera up and um yeah he showed up late october um middle of the night and i think it's like a 120 acre farm it wasn't a giant piece but it sat right in the middle of a big block that was like two miles long and a mile wide so right in the middle of the property and um no history on him whatsoever it was just a giant non-typical shows up out of nowhere end of october and you know something like that happens the first thing you want to do is throw the bow and stand in the truck and take off but i knew you know the the red moon was coming around the first week of november and because that buck was showing up in the middle of the night i didn't really think that he was living on that farm i figured he was close you know probably living on that block but not right there so um I gave it about a week. He kept showing up, I think, every two or three nights, middle of the night. So the plan was to wait until that first week in November. I always plan all my out-of-state hunts around that red moon. I mean, when you're traveling hundreds or thousands of miles from home, you've got to um, obviously stack the deck in your favor again when everything lines up. So waited until um, Halloween day, I guess, was the day that I left. And he was still showing up middle of the night, but it was getting a little closer to um, daylight. So the plan was to be there, you know, the first 10 days of the month. I knew the red moon was going to be coming up, getting better each day. And, um, yeah, I got out there. And, of course, more times than not in Kansas, it's just, you know, hotter than it needs to be <laughs> for for that time of the season. And it was 80, 85 degrees first three or four days I was there and deer were just not moving much. Um, the buck was still showing up. It still hadn't daylighted yet. So it was just uh, a waiting game. You know, I did some really quick scouting. Um, I'd studied the aerials before I went out there. Kind of had an idea of where I wanted to look. Um, found two spots where I figured the majority of the deer would be coming in and out of that farm and put up a couple stands and the one in particular was just and it was probably the best spot I'd ever seen I don't know if you could design a better spot I mean there was it was a backside of the farm really low line area along a creek where four or five different fence lines came together and intersected where that creek was I mean it was just like deer could come from any direction right there and um, I had the perfect entry and exit on that because there was a really deep creek bed that ran back in there i mean it was like 12 foot deep so you could walk through there and nothing knew you were there and there was just a couple inches of water so it wasn't like i was you know putting waders on to get back in there and i followed that creek three or four hundred yards to get back in that stand and literally climbed out of that creek bed and right up a tree so it was like you know getting transported right in the middle of the of the spot you know without tipping anything off to that I was there and um, yeah, just watched the wind and kept waiting for the moon to come around. And the, the day that I killed that buck, um, he showed up almost two hours before dark. 
and it was still, I want to say it was mid-70s, maybe even 80 degrees that day, still really, really hot. Way too warm and way too early for a big, mature buck like that to be moving on the 6th of November when the rut still was a week or two weeks away. And that's probably the best example that I can think of, of, you know, a mature deer not having really much reason to move at all other than the, uh, you know, the moon was probably pushing that deer to get up a little bit early and move and um, came in downwind to me. Like I mentioned in the um, article, thank God I was using the Ozonics, showed up the last spot I expected him to come from and, yeah, shot my fourth 200-inch deer and it was, it was like two, maybe three minutes off of that time on the moon guide. I mean, I texted Adam and, and Chris guys from the show that, uh, I'd shot him. And when I looked at my, looked at my watch, I couldn't believe, I mean, it was right on the dot. I wasn't even really expecting deer to be up and moving that early. It caught me off guard. Well, yeah. And it, it, like you said, it's a good example of the impact that that moon can have because it's not like it was peak rut or anything and these bucks are just running all around looking for does. I mean, really, that that was just before, you know, things were probably going to start getting, you know, hot and heavy rut-wise. And, uh, mm-hmm. y- you know, so it's a good, good testimony. And, and of course, you have you have um, a lot of, of, of stories like that from, from over the years. And, um, you know, one thing that I wanted to touch on uh is how you know there's a lot of disagreement amongst hunters and uh biologists about the impact of the moon and uh, i think we touched on this earlier or at least mentioned it you know there's there's been studies that mainly seem like they have to do with the moon uh phase rather than the position and 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 and, and biologists have used the the results of those studies to say hey the moon has zero impact on deer movement but when you know you have all these deer that you've killed and 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 we were talking right before we started the show like i'm gonna say just with the booners that you've killed you know of which those 200s are are part of those 10 you know that's like 2,000 inches of, of antler that you have put on the ground by following this system and so um you know there's you could say that there's nothing to it but but by golly uh who wouldn't want to kill 2000 inches of uh of whitetail bucks <laughs> yeah there's been a lot of studies out there and i get messages and emails from a lot of guys that say you know every study i've ever read says that the moon doesn't affect deer and like i said in the article until somebody actually sticks a radio collar on a bunch of mature bucks and follows them during, you know, September, October, November, and and can show me that these, those big animals are not influenced by the moon. I'm just not buying it. I mean, I'm not a scientist. I'm a hunter, and I've been following that moon guide in those times for 20 years. Somebody that does a, a study on a bunch of does during the summer is just not going to convince me that the moon has no impact on it. And like I said, most of them have been about that I've seen have been about the phase of the moon, not the position, you know, go out and talk to fishermen are a great example. Guys that musky fish, guys that are after walleye, guys that are deep sea fishing, 
Um, you know, the guys that are really serious about big fish, all of them follow the moon. You know, I went down to the Keys a few years ago and fished with one of the top tarpon guides um, down there, which happens to be a good friend of mine. And we hadn't really talked much about the moon. And I just asked him, you know, and I happened to be down there on the red moon. Um, didn't schedule my trip like, like for that, but it just happened that we were down there on the red moon. And I asked him, you know, if you could pick a few um, days during the month to catch big fish, what are you looking for? And he was following the exact same thing because they're following the tides, which are coming in and out, which are getting the bait fish to move, which in turn get the big fish to move because they're feeding on the bait fish. And the tide is triggered by the red moon. You know, make the that moon peaking and that gravitational pull moves the tide in and out. And that's what starts the whole, you know, chain effect. And they're following the exact same thing. They're just, he didn't know it was the red moon. He's, he just knows it's the tides coming in and out. Yeah. You know, yep. just, nobody's going to convince me that the gravitational pull from the moon is strong enough to move the oceans, the largest mass on this planet, and it does not affect fish or animals. I'm just not buying it. Well, well, the other thing is, too, Adam, uh, is well, when you do a study and you have, you know, let's say you've got 30 or 50 or whatever, you know, animals that you've either got radio collars on or GPS collars. First of all, like you said, they're not all four and a half year old bucks and older to begin with. Mm -hmm. But you're also looking at a wealth of data and you're sort of making a determination as to whether that data shows any statistical difference on sort of a landscape level but that's not really what we're talking about here as bow hunters we're talking about a particular buck or maybe a particular couple of bucks in our hunting area that are the deer we really want to kill and we're yeah. talking how many times how many times have you heard i mean you probably talk to more hunters than i do how many times have you heard somebody say that a mature deer Mature white-tailed buck is a different animal than the rest of the deer in the herd. Oh, absolutely. We say it all the time because how many times yeah. has it happened to us where, you know, how many times have you, like, had trail camera pictures where you're like, you know, that buck I want to kill is always running, you know, with this buck or that buck, and then you finally go out there to hunt, and sure enough, right around that time that you expect it, here comes those other two bucks, and the buck that you want to kill isn't with him that day. Why is that? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Why yep. does that happen? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're a different animal. They, they and, don't and, act like the rest of the deer. No, and so what I'm what I'm getting at though is, you know, isn't it isn't it possible that, you know, w with the moon guide and what we're talking about here is we're not, you know, we're not even saying we care necessarily whether, you know, it's causing deer to like move greater, you know, long greater distances. We're talking about whether whether we think is there a chance that you know, we're going to get that particular deer that we want to kill to get up, you know, two minutes earlier or move, you know, 100 yards closer or 200 yards closer to the feeding area before it gets dark than he might on another night. And so from a study perspective, from a statistical perspective, a small 
variation in movement like that might not even be a blip on the radar, but to you as a bow hunter, it's everything. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, and, and the thing is, you know, I'm not here, obviously, right? I mean, I don't, I don't own the moon guide and I'm not a wildlife biologist or a scientist like you said. So I'm not here to take a end all be all position of saying, you know, hey, that all those people who did those studies are full of bull or that Adam is full of bull. I'm just saying, um, you know, there's a lot of evidence uh, in spite of the results of whatever studies you want to cite that Adam's had a lot of success. And it's not like it's just you either. You, you've been, you know, you ended up um, buying the Moon Guide, I don't know how many years ago now, but unfortunately Jeff, you know, passed away and, and you were able to take this over. But you guys have been doing this for a long time and you've got... Uh, I don't know how many, you know, customers who have experienced results with this over the years. And so uh, it's not like, uh, you know, it, 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 there's nothing to it. Yeah, it's not just me. <laughs> it's not just me having success with the moon guy. There's a lot of guys out there and I talk to and meet more every year that, you know, tell, telling me stories about the biggest buck they've ever killed, you know, right on the red moon or getting a picture of them. The only daylight picture I got of that buck was right on the red moon. I couldn't believe it. it. I can't tell you how many times guys have called me and might, might be skeptical about it. And, um, tell them to look at your, look at your trail camera pictures of these big deer and see, you know, the dates and times that they actually showed up during daylight. Cause most guys when they're after a big deer, they, they, you know, they talk about, I only got a couple pictures of them moving during daylight. And when they compare it, to the moon guide and the times it just blows them away how accurate it is on when those when those big deer are moving so you know, a lot of guys have had a lot of success with it and killed you know some of their biggest bucks ever um following it and and the times. so yeah it's it's not just me there's a lot of testimonials on the moon guide page guys that are having the same you know same amount of luck with it yeah, which uh, he's referring to the Moon Guide website, which is moonguide.com, right, Adam? Correct, yep. So, and that also brings us to sort of the reason that we're doing this show today. Not that, not that I wouldn't be happy to have you as my guest anytime, but our October issue, which will be out uh, right around the beginning of September, and you'll definitely want to keep your eyes out for this. Uh, pick up a copy on your local newsstand, or better yet, shame on you if you're not already a Peterson's Bowhunting subscriber. You want to get on bowhuntingmag.com and, and sign up. Uh, Adam uh, is going to be sharing some of his predictions for this year on some of the best times to hunt. And, uh, you know, the thing about the Moon Guide itself, Adam, is that every day from August through January, you're gonna have complete details with uh, the, the two best times each day uh, to hunt and your recommendations on the best areas to hunt for those days. So it's either gonna be bedding areas, uh, transition areas, or uh, like feeding areas and field edges. Um, and 
you've got the the red moon dates that are highlighted in in red obviously on the moon guide so there's a lot of information for every single day of the entire season and uh, obviously we're not giving away all of that uh, in this article but you did share some very interesting um, predictions uh, particularly as relates to to the pre-rut and the rut and uh, we've got something in there for the late season as well but for today as people are looking forward to the season because we'll get this episode uh, out here um, here in, in, in as we head into the later part of summer um, what are you seeing, Adam, uh, as you look ahead to this fall? Uh, touch on those key times that you mentioned for October and November of uh, 2019. Yeah, so, you know, um, everything that I've read and followed over the years on the timing of the rut, it looks like things are going to line up this year for a pretty standard mid-November rut. So, um uh, the moon actually peaks midday in November that second week. So, you know, for those guys that are, are only able to take one week's vacation off or the kind of guys that really want to get the, the most out of their hunting and going to sit all day, that's probably going to be the best week as long as the weather cooperates. Um, you know, there, there's a big difference between early season and the rut when it comes to the moon guide as far as what you want to look for and follow and where you need to be hunting at because you know in november when that moon is peaking during the day um midday those are the days that you're either going to want to sit all day or maybe abandon your typical morning and evening sets on the edges of the field and just hunt that 10 to two window in the middle of the day. And you've got to adjust where you're hunting accordingly. You know, you don't want to be out on the edge of the field in the middle of the day. You've got to be back in the cover hunting close to the bedding areas or hunting those um, travel corridors and funnels that connect those bedding areas back in the cover. Um, you know, the, you don't want to waste your time on those field edges. You've got to move back into the cover as opposed to, you know, when deer are on a strict feeding pattern and hunting those red moon nights right on the edge of the field. And that's, that's something that, um, the moon guide gives you is not just the best days and times, but also the best locations because those locations are going to change when those times change. Um, throughout the day and those those two peak times that overhead and underfoot moon those times change by an hour each day so that stuff's changing every day and you've got to change your locations accordingly and we've kind of narrowed it down to three typical areas that you would hunt no matter where you're at and you mentioned you know the you know your bedding areas your transition zones or the edges of the fields and um, that's listed right there on the moon guide too so yeah, yeah I think you, uh, you, you mentioned something that I thought is, uh, you know, very important for us to make clear here. It, it, it's interesting, uh, and we'll get to your your October prediction in a minute. But it's interesting what you said because typically, you know, we spent pretty much the entire episode talking about how these red moon days are going to be your peak days. But interestingly, you mentioned mid November, and specifically, you know, what you had talked about. Um, you know, in the article that's uh, going to be 
uh, coming out here soon is is the 11th to the 15th of November this year is when that moon is peaking midday so basically as you go through that period you're talking about like a little before noon to like er, early afternoon and again that's not your red moon days the red moon falls well there's one that falls really um, I believe it's later in the month there's one yeah it's later in the month so um, so, or actually, it's a little bit at the tail end of that period that you talked about where it would coincide more with the evening. But you're talking about those earlier days because, again, and you as hunters, as you who are listening and planning your strategy, if you're going to try and incorporate the moon, you've got to realize that it has to be you have to interpret this information, Adam, right, in light of what the deer are doing at that time. So you're talking about a peak rut period where bucks are going to be wanting to be on the move all day, uh, searching for does, or that that when you get that peak in the middle of the day, even though that a middle day peak isn't going to be a red moon day, right? Because it's not coinciding with the dawn and dusk. It's going to be keeping that action potentially really good throughout the day. Um, so you, you got to use your head as you look at this as well. It's not. It's not just a, you know, as as simple as saying, oh, red moon day is always the best day, right, Adam? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I still I still focus on the red moon evening. evening hunts but you know i had three years in a row in kansas where i was hunting um the moons that peaked after daylight throughout the mid-morning late morning early afternoon and this seemed like i actually had better success um in november hunting you know those days where that moon peaked a little bit later you know full moon deer moving in the middle of the night and then it peaks again at the middle of the day so you know, I shot three, three deer over 170 inches three years in a row by following those times throughout the day. Because, you know, I, I struggled for quite some time connecting on big deer in the rut because you know, normally I'm after a specific animal, and the best time to kill him is when he's on a strict feeding pattern during early season. And then once November rolls around and these bucks are traveling and chasing does, it's really hard to predict what they're going to do. And that's, that's where I struggled, you know, with all my scouting, finding out where I needed to be to kill these deer when they're strictly, you know, on a feed pattern. So what do you do in November um, when you never know what they're going to be doing? So when I kind of, abandoned everything that I'd learned and thought over the years about the rut and just strictly followed the days when that moon was peaking during daylight hours and concentrating on that no matter what time of the month it was when that moon peaks during daylight that's when I wanted to be in the woods and that middle of November this year is when that moon is going to be peaking you know throughout the middle of the day and that's really what I focus on um, and have focused on lately and I've had a lot of success with it. So well, I tell you, a good red, good red moon early and late in November, but I really kind of like that middle of the month when, um, when that moon's going to be peaking in the middle of the day. Well, I'll tell you what, it's kind of liberating from a, from a logistical standpoint too, Adam, because, you know, I think as bow hunters, if you're serious about this, uh, you know, and certainly we are, uh, I, I figure pretty much everyone who's listening to the show today uh, is, you feel 
a certain amount of pressure that you put on yourself to be, especially during the peak of the rut, right? To be in your tree from dawn to dark, you know, if you can. But let's face it, you know, I mean, I'll be the first to raise my hand. I'm not a guy who likes to get up really early. And hunting season can become a grind when, you, when you're trying to do that over and over again. And again, just, just like it took me some time and some years and some experience and, and perspective to to have the willpower and the patience not to go right into my best spots. It, I've come to a sort of a conclusion as I get older that, I, you know, we talked about being more successful by hunting less. It's not just waiting for the right days. Sometimes it's saying, you know what? This moon is peaking at midday tomorrow. I haven't been seeing that great of activity first thing in the morning. You know, there's no sin. You know, some people will plug their ears when I say this and go running out of the room screaming. There's no sin by saying tomorrow or for the next two days, I'm going to let myself get a decent night's sleep. I'm going to get up at 8 o'clock. I'm going to get dressed and I'm going to go out in the stand and I'm going to get there at 9 or 9.30 or 10 o'clock or whatever it is. And I'm going to sit there for the rest of the day. And then when it gets dark and I climb down, I'm going to feel really good. I'm going to have a good dinner and I'm going to do the same thing again tomorrow. And a lot of big deer get killed that way, don't they, Adam? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They sure do. So... Anyway, yeah, you gotta that's, be my, able to that's my little plug like, for sleep because I'm a big fan of sleep. <laughs> <laughs> I, I killed my biggest deer ever in Kansas. It was a 180, 183 and change. Um, and that's exactly what we did. We slept in. I actually went out and I got in the stand at 11 and I killed that buck at 3.30 in the afternoon. Nice. So, yep. So, and it was all... Uh, it was all about it was all about the, the moon. So, um, one more thing here. Uh, let's give uh, a little heads up on what you talked about for October too, because that's that's kind of exciting. Because I've always been a fan of of Halloween week uh, personally, and I just uh, I've just found here in Pennsylvania over the years I've seen some pretty good action with chasing uh, that last week of October. And if you can be in the right place. Uh, and you happen to have maybe one of those first does that's coming in. Um, I've seen some some of the best, honestly, uh, running around chases that uh, that I've seen in my my lifetime during that week. And this year, you're kind of calling for potentially some really good hunting right as the calendar turns from October to November. Yeah, the moon's going to be peaking right at the tail end of October through the first, you know, fold it first four or five days of November and that might actually be the best week of the year um, especially if you're after a specific animal and you're just looking for um, looking for a little edge on getting that deer up and moving because those big deer at the tail end of October they're still pretty predictable and patternable still pretty much doing the same thing um, as far as feeding goes and they haven't really started you know, roaming the countryside looking for does and chasing, but they are going to be moving a little bit more. And if the weather cooperates the end of October, that's just going to be a, a deadly week. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if you see a big spike in big deer hitting the ground on social media for that five or six day stretch. Cause, um, everything as far as the moon goes is lining up for, for that period. And that's going to be a, that's going to be a bloody week. <laughs> 
Yeah, I'm looking forward to it for sure. And so, so if all of this has sort of piqued your curiosity uh, and you want more, um, again, you're going to want to check out our October issue for sure and digest everything that Adam shares uh, in his article there. You're going to want to pick up a copy of the Moon Guide, which you can get through the website at moonguide.com. And maybe even better, we are uh, going to give you an opportunity through uh, the work that Adam and I are doing together to win yourself a Moon Guide. So we're going to be giving away uh, a number of Moon Guides to readers, listeners, viewers, uh, as well as some download codes for a brand new Moon Guide app, which is an exciting development. You guys are getting ready to launch the Moon Guide app uh, right here in August. Isn't that right, Adam? Yep. yep. Tell, and, tell uh, us, tell us about the app. You're going to have a little, little bit more than just the standard Moon Guide information there, right? Yeah, it's going to have all the calendar information, but the Moon Guide only has six months of information on the dial. Um, the app's going to be all year long, so you're going to have all of the uh, information for you know summer scouting, for for late season, for basically the whole year. Um, there's going to be some you know some enhanced predictions on there. Some of the stuff we've talked about today, and a little bit more on a monthly basis. For guys that are trying to plan, you know, accordingly, um, there's going to be some other features in there as far as um, discounts from some of the some of the best companies in the hunting industry, and and uh, there's a hunter's journal in there, so you can keep track of information. It's got a weather page. It's really, you know, I, I created it as a tool for something that I wanted to have, you know, that gives me all the information that I need at my fingertips on my phone and um yeah looking forward to it. a lot of guys have been asking for it and we finally took the past year to get it developed and um yeah hope a lot of guys take advantage of it because it's going to be a great tool absolutely so if you're interested in winning uh, a moon guide or a download of the moon guide app what you need to do is you need to get over to the Peterson's bow hunting page on Facebook and make sure you give us a like. And right around the time that this October issue comes out, which will be uh, early September, we'll have a post right up there at the top of our page on Facebook, and we'll have the Moon Guide uh, tagged on there as well. And you can certainly check out uh, the Moon Guide page on Facebook as well as their website. But what you're going to want to do is you're going to want to make sure you like our page and that you go ahead and share that post that we'll have about our Moon Guide giveaway contest so that all your friends and your fellow bow hunters can see that and get in on it as well and uh, let's really drive the awareness of the moon guide uh, this fall and give everybody a chance to get one for free and if you're not fortunate enough to be one of our winners uh, certainly you can you can still pick one up at, at a reasonable cost whether you want the the printed moon guide that you can stick in your day pack and, and have that with you or you want to have it right there on your phone uh, a lot of value information so please do go ahead and uh, check out the article check out the contest on our Facebook page and uh, by all means we appreciate uh, you listening to Peterson's Bowhunting Radio today and I appreciate you Adam um, you know it's a privilege for me 
to be able to to talk to a guy with your level of experience and and for you to take the time to come on here share your insights uh, with our listeners um, I just can't thank you enough sir well I appreciate the opportunity and um, I'd like to say one more thing about it you know if there's anybody out there that has any questions or wants to talk about it you know you can email me at um, info at moonguide.com it's right on the website and then there's a moon guide facebook page too so um i try to answer every email or every message that i get about it for guys that have questions and don't quite understand it just um don't wait not don't wait until october to message me because <laughs> it gets a little overwhelming in the fall trying to respond to everybody but i'm usually available and try to get back to everybody i can and um, all I can say is, you know, the moon guide is, it's a tool like anything else. Um, it's probably the cheapest product that you're going to buy all season, but it's probably the most valuable information a guy could have. So, you know, what, what do you got to lose? Um, and for guys that are not believers, you know, if, if you try it and you really don't think that it helped you see more deer activity or helped you, you know, in any way, you know, I promise to buy it back. I believe in it that much. You know, it's been 20 years now, put a lot of big deer on the ground using it. And, um, yeah, I believe in it 100%. And no reason for you not to give it a shot. Absolutely. It's going to cost you less than a pack of broadheads, I can tell you that. And uh, like Adam said, uh, it, it may just be um, that little extra advantage that you need to score on that buck of a lifetime this year. So, Adam, thank you so much again uh, for being with us on Peterson's Bowhunting Radio. I wish you the best of luck this fall. Although, uh, judging on your past history, I don't know how much luck you need. But uh, if you'd like to wish me good luck, I will certainly take all the, the good luck I can get. Christian, good luck this fall. Hope you kill the biggest buck of your life right on the red moon and, and have a safe and successful season. Ah, from Adam's lips to God's ears, may it be as you have said. <laughs> all right. Amen, brother. Yep, bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Peterson's Bowhunting Radio, the official podcast of hardcore bowhunters. Pick up the latest issue of Peterson's Bowhunting on your local newsstand or check us out on the web at bowhuntingmag.com. 